This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com/fool. It's Tuesday, November 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker and Brian Hinman. Happy Election Day. Oh. <laughs> really? I thought we were going to make it at least 15 seconds into the show before talking about that. Uh, you know what? God bless America. I'm celebrating our <laughs> democracy. If, if you choose not to celebrate our democracy, that's fine. You just always wish people a happy whatever day. Yeah. Yeah. In this case, it's usually in this case, like Happy Tuesday, but now you got something more I you think, know, profound I think, to talk I think about. we're all happy. We're all happy that the election is finally here. And we're not going to talk about the election. You voted. <laughs> I voted. I've yeah. got my sticker. You've got your oh, yeah, sticker. Sure. I didn't take a sticker, but I voted this morning, too. Saving saving money for the you know, federal government by not taking a sticker. See, this uh, that, I, that I, sticker can now be used in four years. Um, I, I was uh, saying to a couple... Just as relevant. Just, I voted. It's timeless. It's a classic. Unlike the sticker I have, which has a timestamp on it. And this is something... I've, I mentioned this to a couple of our colleagues. Um, I need to talk with uh, our colleague Hope Nelson, longtime fool, who is uh, has lived in Old Town Alexandria for a long time, and Hope just kind of knows everybody in the city. Her husband is a reporter, and so I feel like Hope is the person who can answer my question. And that, and my question is, who is the point person responsible for the I voted stickers? Because <laughs> I like the uh, I voted stickers. Who doesn't like stickers? Everybody likes stickers. But my question is, how much money is the city of Alexandria spending? Because it appears to be, while maybe not a lot of money in aggregate dollars, it appears to be more than it should. Chris, what you don't even know is that's a scratch and sniff sticker. You uh, scratch it, it smells really? like freedom. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. Depending on who you voted for. <laughs> exactly. Um, the election is, of course, the big story, but um, hard as it may be, to believe that the uh, the wheels of commerce continue to turn, and that means earnings in this case. So we're going to dig into the latest from Priceline, from Hertz. Good God, Ouch. the carnage going on with Hertz rental cars. But let's start with uh, CVS Health. Third quarter revenue was up more than fifteen percent from a year ago. Their profits were up. Um, I get Brian that they cut their guidance. <laughs> But the stock's down by one percent, Chris. I, that's the thing. Their stock is down thirteen percent this morning, and it wasn't trading at an all-time high. Is this 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 seems like an overreaction, um, or is it not? It may not be. Um, so you mentioned the one percent cut to uh, earnings guidance. They also put out preliminary twenty seventeen earnings guidance, which um, called for. Earnings growth of about three percent. Now that's a departure from this company that has uh, historically held itself out as a ten to fourteen percent earnings grower, uh, and has done so consistently for some time. Extremely well managed company. So, um, you know, tepid guidance for next year. And uh, what's driving that um, is Walgreens Boots Alliance. Uh, Walgreens is coming hard at uh, at CVS's retail game by signing uh, signing away. Um, Contracts with other PBMs and uh, large organizations to become the pharmacy of choice, um, which obviously comes at the expense of CVS being the pharmacy of choice. So uh, they announced that uh, Walgreens basically um, stole, uh, by way of 
hard negotiation, about 40 million prescriptions uh, out from under CVS. Wow. Uh, and that's going to have a profit impact uh, for their retail pharmacy business uh, starting in the fourth quarter and certainly going into 2017. Now, why that's a big deal, there's a couple reasons. One is um, filling prescriptions is, is a scale business. And basically, your most profitable a piece of business is the last one you fill because you're leveraging fixed co- uh, an enormous fixed cost base. So every time you lose a little bit of scale, you're losing your most profitable business. Okay, so that's going to weigh on them. But I think the larger picture here is it uh, call, it's starting to call into question whether or not uh, the combination of a retail pharmacy plus a PBM is putting CVS's uh, negotiating power in jeopardy with other PBMs um, who might want uh, what's a purely independent pharmacy, which Walgreens is. PBM's Pharmacy Benefit Manager. Pharmacy Benefit Manager. For those unfamiliar. Yeah. Um, So, I think the the market right now is sort of trying to digest whether or not what has seemed like an advantage for CVS is turning into um, maybe less of of an advantage um, in an industry that is hyper, hyper, hyper focused on trying to save costs anywhere it can. And uh, Walgreens has been sort of a laggard, um, and they are coming hard. And you got to believe that they are giving up a lot of price to get some of these volumes. Um, but they have their uh, sights squarely set on CBS. Do you think they need to start selling cigarettes again? <laughs> uh, I do not think that is going to happen. That was a cultural shift for the company, uh, part of a rebranding into CVS Health. Uh, Larry Merlo uh, has totally, the CEO of CVS, has totally shifted CVS to being um, sort of a, a health services company. So you shouldn't think of it as any one business other than uh, trying to help uh, primarily Americans uh, live healthier lives. You know, it's been a little bit of a rough patch for pharmacy benefit managers uh, recently. There's been some news out on, on margin contraction, and, and that's part of the story here, certainly. And I think that, uh, you know, there, there are some savings uh, happening in, in the medical world, and, and particularly uh, with drugs right now. Uh, there is not just uh, words being thrown around by some political candidates about trying to keep these costs under control, and uh, the headlines about uh, the Obamacare uh, premium raises in many states are are real, but in other places uh, there there is attention being paid to costs getting out of control, and that is affecting uh, CVS already. Yeah, CVS does see uh, in its 2017 guidance it does see its PBM business uh, growing uh, operating profits by about eight percent, but the hit is going to come at the that retail segment. But uh, no doubt about it, costs are front and center in healthcare. Sticking with healthcare, last week we talked about Valiant Pharmaceuticals, and in that case, it was that former CEO Michael Pearson and Howard Schiller, the former CFO, were revealed to be the subjects of a U.S. criminal probe. Um, and the stock was down last week as a result of that news. Today, the stock is down another twenty percent after their third quarter report, where essentially they missed on everything. <laughs> They missed on profits. Their revenue was light. They lowered guidance, and uh, the current CEO came out and said, I, I, "You know, if you're if you're looking for a silver lining, the comments out of the CEO appeared to be around the restructuring that they're doing and how it's progressing." But th- this seems like it may even continue to get worse from here before it gets better. 
Yeah, I think we talked about this uh, last week when Jim Gillies was in, and you asked whether a Valiant, I think asked if it had a future, whether it was just time to give up and and uh, I don't I don't know what you were offering at the time, but I think it is an open question. There are real assets here, but they realize no advantage by being under the Valiant brand or, or management any longer. Uh, the whole structure of the company is up to question, not just from investors, but as you point out, from uh, regulators and uh, criminal prosecutors. And how they manage what is a fast-moving uh, and difficult uh, reimbursement terrain these days, uh, while fending off criminal charges, you know, is is not a contest that I would want to be participating in as an investor. And uh, it's showing up in the bottom line, which is no surprise. Yeah, I, I'd uh, I'd be interested in Valiant if uh, it started trading at a price that only reflected its contact lens business. Um, I'd sort of take on which all I'm of that guessing is a price that is lower than the twenty percent discount it trades at today. today. Yeah, Bausch and Lomb, um, which is so there are things in under Valiant that you have heard of and and know about, like Bausch and Lomb, and that has real value, and that doesn't you know people aren't changing their uh, contact lens of choice because of any of the headlines here, uh, but the company is is just a mess uh, every every part of it at the moment and. Why people should want to take a, you know, Ackman has taken a bath on this one, and uh, as he has on a few other things this year. Uh, but I don't know what what there is other than the assets, right? I mean, yeah. there are real assets there. They're better off in somebody else, anybody else's hands at this point. Yeah, it's a. It seems like a broken company to me. Their model has been raise raise prices. That is. Clearly, you know, under pressure, if not broken, um, and then uh, issue debt or issue equity to uh, buy other companies as their form of uh, substitution for R and D. Well, the stock price where it is is not a currency to go be issuing shares to buy anything, and the company's massive amounts of leverage already. So it is, uh, it's a broken company. All right, let me just close with the question. One of the questions that I asked about CVS Health: Does Valiant need to start selling cigarettes? Couldn't hurt. <laughs> Third quarter profits and revenue for Hertz Global Holdings came in lower than expected, and it must have been a hell of a lot lower because shares of Hertz at one point this morning were down fifty percent. And Bill, when you mentioned this to me, my first reaction—and I can't be the only person who had this reaction this morning—my first reaction was. Oh, a stock split. <laughs> yep, I, I think that was uh, the the reaction down uh, in in MFAM as well uh, when somebody mentioned it. And uh, so, looking at the revenue, it, it's not off by much. It's a one percent decline over the last year for the third quarter, from two point five eight billion to two point five four billion. So, all right, that's not a big deal. Uh, but the the um, the loss of income from continuing operations was down 58 percent, and the net income after taxes was down 80 percent. So uh, it's it's not just they're losing a little bit of business; they are not realizing very much in, in profits. And one of the reasons for that is, and what they broke out in their announcement is that they have had to take a bigger hit on the valuation of. Uh, cars, the recovery that they can get, uh, particularly for small and mid-sized cars, 
and they've taken a, a write down on that and they expect to take another and the secondary market is just not uh, not being very charitable right now. The people are renting cars, but they are not able to sell the cars at the end of their use uh, at nearly what they were ex- uh, assuming they'd be able to. Yeah, so and is, I, I mean, is that? Let's put Hertz aside for a second. If if you're looking at rental car companies, how much of the upside comes from that secondary market? It's a pretty big part of their business. It's it's definitely significant, and I think. Uh, Looking at the the bigger picture, there you see, um, you know, auto sales, uh, auto production in the United States is slowing a bit, um, and so when that starts to happen, we, we what we historically tended to see is uh, the automakers uh, start to get a little more promotional. So you start to see better deals for new cars, and uh, new cars and used cars are substitutes for one another. So uh, you know that game. You know, jockeys back and forth, and uh, if the automakers are starting to get a little more promotional, that hurts the value, the resale value for for used cars, and uh, that's that is what Hertz is seeing. <laughs> is this? I'm guessing the answer is no, but I'll ask anyway. Is is this a, a, a buying opportunity when you look at Hertz stock? I mean, the 50 percent. I mean, even taking into account everything you guys just said. If the stock was down 20%, 25 even 30%, I could think, okay, it's recovered a little, it's down about 45% now. That's still a massive haircut for the type of situation that we're talking about here. Yeah, the buying opportunity may have been half an hour ago, because okay. uh, <laughs> it has recovered. I don't okay. know. Uh, it, it's off. Uh, I think that today's movement um, understates how much it's off, because I think it's off almost 90%. From its high of about two and a half years ago, which came so, it's not just Bill Ackman suffering out there in the world of, of <laughs> you know, corporate raiders or you know um, people that get in there and try to uh, agitate activists. Um, activists, I think that's the yes. term. They, that's the moniker they, they don't prefer. like agitators. Carl Carl Icahn has been buying up shares and is a yeah. fairly significant shareholder and uh, of in, Hertz of Hertz and increased his stake uh, was revealed in in June or uh, July. So he has been. Uh, riding this one uh, since uh, so beginning of 14 2014 stock moved up about six percent and here's a little bit of a you know an anecdote for those who think that oh if if some rich uh, activist gets in there and uh, is buying up shares that must mean they know something and and that it's going to be a good thing to follow company uh, stock moved up six percent on that news in January of 14. And it's just been straight down since then. And as I say, it's down almost 90% from from that point. He's been buying. Look, he's made good buys, many of them in his career. This is not one of them. So a couple of years ago, this uh, you know the rental car space was uh, getting a lot of investor attention because of massive consolidation. So the thinking was with fewer players, they were finally going to uh, behave rationally in terms of price competition, and not in a way that where they could necessarily collude. But if you can stop the race to the bottom, which was plaguing rental cars for so long, um, these can be very profitable businesses. And uh, you have great insight, uh, and when you control all the brands, you have uh, better information on when to make those secondary market sales of the used vehicles. I think what happened there 
uh, is they ran into uh, an upstart substitute. So you get people with car sharing, ride sharing, and and, an Uber. And so all of a sudden, the the demand picture changed for these guys in a pretty dramatic way. Um, And I think they responded by not not being able to have that pricing discipline. And there just doesn't seem to be any loyalty in this industry. Um, And the rental car companies lose out. Companies like Priceline win. Companies like Uber win. So, uh, you just reminded me, uh, I recently uh, rented a car for Thanksgiving. And uh, one of the things that the rental car companies are still doing, which is which is at once adorable and pathetic, they still make you go through that when you're picking like, okay, I want this car and these are the dates and this is the price and that sort of thing. They still make you go through the screen that includes like, and would you like to rent a Garmin, a, G- a GPS device, as though smartphones and Google Maps and Waze do not exist. I, and I suppose uh, they still make a little money doing it. Or uh, else, a very little. Right? <laughs> not as much as they used to. Uh, that is not an upsell that, that I can imagine ever taking again um, or anybody I know. But uh, there's some people that don't have a smartphone, hard as that is to believe. Uh, just one more thing I'll say about Hertz is among the other challenges that they are facing, they appear to have a management team that is not particularly gifted when it comes to mm-hmm. communication. Because I think that any time you have this big a price drop, and it does not include massive fraud or a recall or something like that, then I think one of the things you can logically point to is you're not really great at <laughs> giving guidance. Uh, certainly not in the last few months, anyway. All right, before we ramp up, I can say a word about Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans because if you've ever bought a home, you already know how frustrating and time-consuming getting a mortgage can be. Rocket Mortgage brings the whole process into the 21st century by taking the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. You can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button and get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your own financial situation. And best of all, you can do it all on your tablet or your phone. So, if you're in the market for a home, or you're looking to refinance your mortgage, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Uh, Brian, you mentioned Priceline. We'll, We'll end on a positive note. Priceline's third quarter profit came in higher than expected. Uh, shares up and hitting yet another all-time high today. They, somebody had a good summer. No doubt about it. I mean, what's I think what's what's really impressive here is Priceline grew at two and a half or three times the rate of Expedia, um, and Priceline is a significantly larger company. So to be uh, such a large business uh, growing so rapidly, um, you know, and the economics of this business are, are wonderful. Uh, Priceline really is just really killing it. I mean, they've uh, gone through a couple different uh, phases of investment, uh, and they are they are doing well. What effect, if any, do you think uh, the, the fact that they don't split their stock, do you think that has any effect on institutional investors? I know for retail investors, for average people like us who are just looking to buy shares, for me, anyway, there's always a gut reaction. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll buy a few shares of Priceline. Oh my God, it's sixteen hundred dollars a share. Yeah. Like, all right, so maybe I could, you know, 
buy a couple, like literally a couple of shares. And so I know that happens with with people. Does that happen with institutions at all? Nope, not at all. Okay. So I was looking at the headline, uh, and they for the earnings for the quarter, I think they came in at thirty one dollars and twenty five cents or something a share. And they were expected to come in at twenty nine ninety one, something like that. And so you you look at that and say, oh, they beat uh, earnings by you know a buck forty or buck thirty, whatever whatever it was. But but mentally, I just calculated divide everything by a hundred. It it had thirty one cents a share instead of thirty cents a share expected for the quarter. Right. So it it's beaten by a penny. Beat by a penny. <laughs> But still, good quarter. A lot of other companies are not beating by a penny uh, this quarter. Uh, we've we've just gone over a few of them. There yeah. were plenty of misses this quarter. I thought it was a particularly bad uh, quarter for for uh, a lot of companies on the earnings and and their guidance. Do you guys use Priceline at all? Uh, I just used it uh, two weeks ago to book a to book a car. Where are you going? Uh, it was for a wedding in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Okay, has this already happened? Already happened. All right. So I, I, they've got a lot of different brands, including, and, and this was part of the news today, Open Table, and uh, they had to write down. So they bought that for about two point six billion dollars. I can't remember what year it was, but not that long ago, and they wrote it down to the tune of almost uh, nine hundred million plus. Really? Today, yeah. So they they have written down a large chunk of the value of that, and I question. I've always questioned like what what could Open Table be worth because it's not a a destination that I go to it's a place I end up at because I'm trying to book a reservation and they take me to Open Table and okay Open Table completes that process uh, but any other software program could because I I was just looking at that restaurant and I would think that whatever competitive advantage Open Table has uh, is rather easy to easy easier than many things to compete away because all I want is that reservation I don't want points from open table right. loyalty points or whatever it is that that I may be given by completing this transaction through them I would think that all these restaurants could have some you know programmer uh, intern kind of whip up a, a you know that kind of coding and, and achieve many of the same things or another company could come in and undercut open tables. You know, pricing if they because it, it just doesn't seem to me, and I don't know Open Table's business well enough to conclude this, but it seems to me that that it's not a great competitive advantage to have that brand, in terms of just executing the the reservation. Well, and also, I mean, just I have to believe that the the number of restaurants just is like just add up all the restaurants and throw in by throw in all of them, throw in the fast casual, throw you know, throw in all of them. Do the majority of restaurants in America take reservations? My hunch is no. Like so, so even just the like you, I don't have intimate knowledge of Open Table Open Tables business, but I know that their ceiling isn't as high as they probably think it is, and and apparently the overlords at Priceline agree. Yeah, I think I think uh, one of the angles here is, you know, Part of Priceline's thinking of buying OpenTable was to keep you on the Priceline site while planning your trip. Uh, I think my, my speculation is that was a direct competitive response to TripAdvisor being the de facto place people go to plan their trip. Um, and Priceline is TripAdvisor's largest customer. Uh, they pay a lot of money uh, uh, to advertise on TripAdvisor's website. And if uh, 
Priceline can wield a little more, keep the eyeballs, you know, on on their site longer. Uh, they might have a little more power negotiating with uh, TripAdvisor, but uh, it does not appear that OpenTable was, uh, is, and was a successful um, combat combative response. You don't use Priceline, uh, not directly, but they've got so many different brands. I'll check out things on Kayak or, or uh, I don't know, how many different brands does Priceline use, have? Are, are they Booking.com? They're Booking, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's their that's their, their crown jewel. And um, I think another another story here is, for a long time, it's Priceline's management gets a lot of credit for being uh, great capital allocators. And people largely point to... Open table aside. Yeah, well, that's, that's the point. People <laughs> largely point to, hey, they they bought Booking.com for a song, and it is far and away the most profitable of all of the, um, you know, all of the booking sites out there. Um, but they don't get it right 100% of the time. Right. It's their version of Instagram. It's, <laughs> it's their version of Facebook buying Instagram for a billion. You know, it's like, you know, that's a, that's a nice counter to the people who are saying, how much did you pay for WhatsApp? Yeah. You want to read more from Bill Barker and Brian Hinman and the whole crew at Motley Fool Funds, you can go to foolfunds.com and sign up for declarations. It is the free monthly newsletter. Just go to foolfunds.com. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.